0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown.
1: Create your life. Crée ta propre vie.
0: Create your life.
1: 创造你的生活. Create your life. Crea la tua vita.
0: Create your life.
1: Unscat your life.
0: You better create your, <laughs> create, your you. create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. people thank you for joining us on episode number five of the create your life series we are happy to be with you today and i'm your host kevin y brown and today we have something very very special for you we actually have the ceo and co-founder of free atm mr eric n fondren eric please say hello to the create your life family
1: how are you family i've been following the create your life series since it was just an idea in kevin y brown's brain and i'm Quite excited to be here today.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, with Eric here today, we are actually going to get all in of Eric's business and find out how he actually got to where he is now as the CEO, find out about that journey, and also find out how he manages to balance so many different things, being married, being CEO, transitioning from being part-time uh, employee into CEO, just really find out about his journey, his defining moments, and what makes this man tick. So with that being said, Eric, can you please explain to us what is Free ATM?
1: Well, free ATM is an advertising backed ATM network. And so, what we do is we provide the consumer, you on the other end of the transaction, a completely free transaction subsidized by third party advertising. So, when you walk into the mom and pop cafe shop, the bodega on the corner, the Rite Aid or, or Dwayne Reed, and you see the free ATM brand, you'll know that you're going to have your transaction for free while the advertiser is reaching a targeted consumer that they're looking for.
0: Okay. And I like you guys' uh, tagline. It says "More George in your wallet."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you've ever been to one of these ATMs and you're getting charged, even if it's only ninety nine cent, you're thinking to yourself, "Okay, if I take out twenty, that's a certain percentage. I got to take out a hundred for it to make sense." Right, right. So you're always conscious of that micro transaction, that micro right. pain point that occurs during every transaction. So Free ATMs' goal is to really alleviate that for all consumers.
0: Yeah, you said it right. That pain point, man, cuz sometimes when I'm actually there and I'm at the ATM, I'm like, "Man, I got to pay 3.99 to in order to get my money that I already paid taxes on. I got to pay this 3.99. this extra money." So that that definitely it matters. So, how long have you actually been CEO of Free ATMs and did you start
1: out there or I did not. So, I've been CEO of Free ATM for about Four months right now. Actually, more like two. It's been since mid February. Before that, I was chief operating officer and interim chief technology officer. Before that, I was working for Free ATM in a part time fashion, just helping out with software development. So I've kind of been around the Free ATM storyline for a very long time. Been full time with Free ATM since January of 2013. That was kind of when I obtained chief operating officer title as well as co founder later in the year. So really, for me, I was always born to be an entrepreneur. It just so happened by circumstance that I fell into the free ATM bandwagon and I've been gung ho and loyal ever since. And I'm just trying to make sure that it's one of the most outstanding brands out there.
0: Okay. So you're talking about you were born to be an entrepreneur and that's a lot of what we talk about here is, you know, creating your life and creating life that you want to live. So can you please tell us about your story you know growing up i believe you're from texas right san antonio mm-hmm, to be exact mm-hmm. so tell us about partially, life growing up yeah. san you said fortunately right <laughs> partially partially <laughs> okay okay yeah. well let us know san let antonio know.
1: spurs go ahead go ahead oh tell man come game. on go stay warriors man <laughs> don't
0: start that don't you start that
1: <laughs> well so i landed in san antonio in around 1996 but before that i'd been hopping back and forth over the atlantic so my my father is a tired army and so i was a military brat born in kentucky moved to belgium a year after i was born Two years later, moved to New Jersey, then to Germany, and then to Texas. So I've been around a while. It's just that Texas was the longest place I ever stayed, so I call myself a Texan. While I was in Texas, I graduated from high school, ended up getting a full ride to Morehouse College, thankfully, because it allowed me to go to college out of state. Gave me a new understanding of the world and everything that was going on. After I graduated Morehouse College, I ended up taking a job with Deutsche Bank in New York. Deutsche Bank is an investment bank in New York, and I was in the technology department there. I spent about three and a half years with Deutsche Bank, and about a year and a half left in my tenure, I just started feeling the itch. I was already talking with friends, trying to start these side businesses, trying to look to (laughs) invest in real estate. I was in school full-time, getting my master's in professional counseling, thinking about taking on my mom's private practice and growing it from a business perspective, so I, I had these pioneering ideas already, mm-hmm. even though I was working full time for another corporation. And then it kind of hit me. It was like one year during our annual bonuses. It was at the end of the the kind of crash and whatnot, and the, the, the economy market was crash? sort of You're the about? market crash in okay. two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. And so it, the the economy was sort of coming back, but the banks weren't necessarily pumping money into the technology department. So, right. you know, lo and behold, my selfish uh behind was like my salary's not going up (laughs) my bonus isn't going up (laughs) and the analogy i made to myself at the time the metaphor that really stuck with me at the time i felt like i was a pig at a trough i felt like they had taken all the leftover money placed it into this trough and then allowed everybody in the lower class of the company to, you know, take sprinklings of what they were owed in terms of value. And I didn't like that feeling. I felt undervalued. I didn't feel like I had any ownership in the company. And partially that was because I wasn't motivated and passionate about what I was doing. So I made the decision to leave and go start a number of my own ventures. Mm. i before you
0: go into those ventures, I have one question for you. Uh, you said you attended Morehouse College. What did you study at Morehouse College? Because I know that entrepreneurs, sometimes you have some entrepreneurs who went to college for a year. You have some entrepreneurs who have PhDs, mm-hmm. some entrepreneurs who have high school diplomas. You know, so there's an array of educational levels. But you being a graduate of Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, I went to Clark, Atlanta. So, right, you right. know, your neighboring school, AEC definitely. Family, yeah, yep. AEC family. Uh, so what, what did you study there?
1: I obtained a bachelor's in computer science with a minor in mathematics. Okay. And I believe that that training Mm -hmm. established me for conflict resolution, which is strange because Uh. the professional counseling did the same thing. But but the thing about computer scientists or software programmers is that, you know, it's logic-based, but really and truthfully, the main skill is troubleshooting. It's right, figuring out what the problem is and then figuring out a solution for it. So conflict resolution at its best. And then you're a creator, right? You're creating and aggregating these ones and zeros in a way that allows the program to do what you want it to do. I was a scientific artist, really, with computer science. And that, I think, I've taken with me a lot of different ways in terms of solving problems for the business, solving problems for other people when they come to me for consulting. Whatever the case may be, that's engendered a certain way of thinking in my mind.
0: So, you basically have like this Superman, like laser focus on how to solve problems.
1: I would say that one of my skills is problem solving. I do like looking for the patterns Mm -hmm. in the mix and, and utilizing those patterns to establish efficiency in terms of how the system should work. um so yeah absolutely (laughs) i mean and i personally (laughs) superhero scale for you you're definitely a superhero in in that
0: regard man because i can (laughs) personally attest to having come to you multiple times with different challenges that i may be facing on my entrepreneurial journey Mm -hmm. and then from there I mean, one conversation with Eric turns into, we say, oh, we're going to be on the phone for 20 minutes, man. We've had five-hour conversations. Two-hour you know?
1: building sessions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: From there, I walk away with a completely new game plan and just a way of going about doing things. You were telling us about your, your entrepreneurial journey, getting started, That you weren't always CEO of Free ATMs. that you were, actually had some other ventures going on. A couple that I actually even know of. Tell us about your transition into entrepreneurship and what those first couple of businesses actually looked like.
1: Okay. I had skill sets. I had computer programming. So the first company I started was a website design company called HWA Web Design. And I was basically building small websites for mom and pop businesses. I have actually, I think, pretty sure a couple of them are still in running. Oh, awesome. uh, where some of my clients from back then. And then after that, a friend of mine had come to me with an idea to start a beauty products company. He was basically like, I got a friend in LA who's selling hair extensions and he lives a great lifestyle. What do you think? And I was like, okay, what I'll do is I'll give you five grand, I'll help you out with the business. And After a while, I got the itch to want to help out. And sooner or later, we're running around the country going to expos with, you know, suitcases full of hair extensions, selling this product under the brand Boldly Gorgeous. So we were really in it to win it. You know, we we had gone through some entrepreneurial camps, got involved with a company called Cashflow that was investing in minority-owned businesses at the time. There, I ended up getting involved with Cashflow. And so really, I was just like... Throw the kitchen sink at the wall and figure out exactly what it was that kind of motivated me to put my all in a startup or venture of that nature.
0: So going from Bowley Gorgeous into transitioning to working uh, with Cashflow, what was your role with Cashflow?
1: I was a bit and what of is a,
0: cash flow. Also, I'm just so curious. So,
1: cash flow was a a program that they ended up raising a million dollars, and they were going to go out and they were going to give ten thousand dollars to different minority owned businesses so that they could scale their ventures. We ended up as boldly gorgeous obtaining one of those ten thousand dollar grants. As I was with Boldly Gorgeous, I ended up getting very involved with the Cashflow team and started part-timing and providing my volunteer services to them as they ran expos, as they did events, because they were looking to have ambassadors in different cities to really corral their brand in those different cities. So from that, I learned a little bit more about entrepreneurship, I learned a great deal about networking, and I found out that not only did I have a bit of a voice that in terms of helping other people obtain their dreams but I also realized that okay this is this is absolutely what I need to do with my life is is go out on my own and and, and lead my own company and or have large ownership over this the stake and trajectory of a company so after Boldly Gorgeous and cash flow I had finished my master's in professional counseling in 2012 and right. I knew that I didn't necessarily want to be an all-out licensed therapist. Um, What brought you to
0: that conclusion, being that that was the track that you were on and that's what you were actually looking at? What helped you understand that that wasn't the path that you wanted to take?
1: I think that ultimately I had to understand who I was as a person. And Mm -hmm. I, I end up burdening other, taking on the burden of other people's emotional pain. And Mm -hmm. so I realized that I was going to take home my work at the end of the day if I were to become a therapist. So if I was dealing with, say, substance abuse counseling or if I was dealing with something of that gravitas, then I would take that home with me on an emotional level and that would ultimately destroy my quality of life. So I knew that I couldn't go full steam ahead into becoming a counselor. So I tapped off it a little bit and decided instead to focus on relationship coaching. And So I started a brand called Sober Lovers in that vein.
0: I'm going to ask you a quick question about that because we, our first uh, one or two episodes here, we, you know, we talked about daily motivation, but we also, our second episode, we talked about starting with why on the Create Your Life series. And it sounds like you actually really got into what it was that motivated you and what it was that the lifestyle that you wanted and basically defining what success was for you. And it seems like defining success for you was going to be not bringing your work home with you if it wasn't something that was going to enrich your, enrich your personal life. And so I just wanted to make that comparison because that was something that we started off with at first. And to hear you, a successful CEO, say that, I think it rings volumes to what it is that we're trying to do and how we're trying to help our audience here at the Create Your Life series. Weren't you running some type of website prior to Sober Lovers?
1: Yeah, most of those products were designed for the Sober Lover's brand. I developed this information product called Date With Purpose, and it had some video media as well as some downloads available that helped people figure out what it was that they wanted in life, figured out exactly what it was that they were falling for in terms of dating traps, and that gave them some tools in order to figure out how to escape those real dating traps that existed in the modern culture. But going back to what you said about creating your life, looking back at it in hindsight, I realized that I was taking my future in my own hands when I left Deutsche Bank. Now, my advice to anybody who's making this transition, thinking of this transition, is save up six to 12 months, 12 at, please go for 12, save 12 months worth (laughs) of rent. And or living expenses for that journey because it takes a long time for you to establish yourself, figure out what you want to do and or be make a profit in order to sustain your lifestyle. So I went through. I probably burnt through my entire life savings just trying to figure out exactly what type of business I was going through when I first left Deutsche Bank. And so I I cashed out my 401k, IRAs, all of that in order to invest in my project. So if you're looking to create your life, first off, prepare for the sacrifice. That's lesson number one.
0: Absolutely. Prepare for the sacrifice. So can you tell us about some of the sacrifices that you had to make in those first years? As a matter of fact, hold on, before we even go into your sacrifices, tell me what your timeline looks like right now of getting to where you are.
1: Like. So in 2011, um, I'm looking at my bonus being completely dejected mm-hmm. in February of 2011. I end up leaving. No, actually, that was February of 2010. I didn't leave until the next year. And so I left finally in about 2011, decided to move on with my businesses, started these three businesses within the span of three years, so the website design company, the hair company, um, worked with cash flow, worked with another friend on a venture called AutoBully, which is automotive concierge services. You know I was all over the map in terms of what I wanted to do. And then finally, in 2012 is when I started with a free ATM part-time, where a friend came to me, one a friend of mine from my alma mater, he had started the company. He'd already told me about this idea years prior, so I was familiar with what he was trying to do and where he was trying to go. And so that's another thing is that you have to be flexible in terms of how you believe this life creation, this journey of life creation you're going Mm -hmm. on is going to manifest. It's never going to be exactly how you think it's going to look. You have to have an idea of success, but be flexible in terms of how it actually colors itself in, right? You know, you're not going to – your timelines are never going to be correct, ever, (laughs) because you're never going to be able to – Predict all the potholes in between now and there. You have to have a support system. That was one of the biggest things for me. I was always always had someone close that I could rely on. And in the latter years, you know, my significant other, who ended up becoming my wife, mm-hmm. those were all things that literally helped me when my only my meals were the five dollar you know pizza from Little Caesars or the right, two dollar right. pizza from. <clears throat> Two brothers, the cheapest things you can get on the earth. These are the situations you have to go through.
0: Oh man, you speak—you speaking to the to the entrepreneurial journey right <laughs> the now. Struggle. Those yeah, the struggle, man. Those one dollar slices, man. I remember having a, a one dollar chicken sandwich and an Arizona iced tea, man, oh, man. in two thousand and eight, sleeping on the train. Like, oh, I gotta go after this dream. But that that sacrifice, man. You you hit on so many key things that. I, I'm just like oh man you know you're talking about the the support of a significant other man one of my biggest things is is you know when I'm speaking to other friends actually speaking to you sometimes is I think I asked you this a few weeks ago is how do you know how do you decide rather who do you pick the phone up for mm-hmm. right who's worth your time that's to me is huge how do you decide on who's worth your time and you know like let's say you know your brother calls you're gonna pick up the phone for your brother but a, another friend who may be an entrepreneur or somebody like who do you how do you decide that
1: I think that probably there's it's a, it's a more nuanced question than you give it credit for. Mm. I think that if you're looking to be an influential person, if you're looking to be a positive presence in other people's lives, then you need to learn how to pick up the phone in most cases. So even if you know that someone's not going to be able to provide benefit to you in the immediate sense, then you're picking up the phone in order to mentor, You're picking up the phone in order to help someone. And if someone is there that has some mutual benefit to you, then you're picking up the phone in order to not only provide service, but obtain a reward in a mutual sense. But it's really about it's really about when you ask the question, who do you pick up the phone for? You're really asking, how do you value other people? And if you're asking that question, then you have to start at this person is a person, or a human being. So you have to value everybody. So pick up the phone in most cases, and then it's just about prioritization from there.
0: Okay, we're talking about prioritization and, and valuing people. And ladies and gentlemen, we here we are here on WHCR ninety point three FM. This is definitely the voice of Harlem. So you're talking about uh, valuing people, but if you have a hundred people calling you, right? I'm talking about understanding distractions and avoiding distractions. So how do you, I, I definitely respect people and definitely respect and am always willing to help, but there are some people whose call may get through faster than others or might get a respond back faster than others. How do you, being the CEO of a tech startup, how do you find and how do you decide who gets the immediate response?
1: Well, that's very subjective in the moment. in in the time frame, whatever your priorities are at that given time frame, um, there's probably, you're probably looking at it at like, if you're in the center of the universe, who's in that first very close circle of confidants and or advisors and associates. And you probably have a close idea of, a loose idea of who those people are. Those are the people that you're going to pick up the phone for no matter what, because you want, they're going to provide the most benefit in terms of a reciprocal relationship oh. and that's what you just dis- that's how you decide your prioritization because a relationship at least a healthy one is reciprocal if the person on the other end of the line has low relative benefit and i say that loosely <laughs> loosely <laughs> low relative benefit in terms of how it's going to impact your success or change your trajectory of your life then you're, they're going to be on a lower priority it doesn't mean that they won't get some sense of your time or get an answer in terms of your phone call, but they're not going to give the phone call before the person who has a deeper influence over you, has more understanding of where you're coming from, and has a a larger reciprocal relationship with you.
0: Okay. So basically you give time to those who basically iron sharpens iron. People who are almost you basically like you. you Absolutely. And if you're an entrepreneur
1: on just starting out, then if you're not around iron, you're rusty. And that is the one thing that... Wow. That, that many of us do not understand is that we surround ourselves with our friends instead of surrounding ourselves with the tools that will continue to sharpen us. And no matter who you are or where you're coming from, if you're looking to be successful, that means you're going to be one of few. Most people are looking to be happy, looking to be satisfied. Oh. That is a mediocre, not in terms of, of the relative benefit they'll obtain from <coughs> their lifestyle. If they're happy, they're happy. That would be wonderful for them. But in terms of overall success on a relative barometer of someone doing amazing things that touch a 1,000 people versus someone who does amazing things that touches 10 people, if you're successful and ambitious, you want to be the person who touches a 1,000 people. And right. so you're going to be far and in between in terms of the people who are like-minded of that level of ambition. So you have to constantly seek out the powers that will continue to sharpen you.
0: And I think in today's age of social media and so many things, people are actually even looking to look successful versus being successful because most people don't want to do the work. And so with that being said, my next question to you is what does your peer group look like? You just talked about how you differentiate and decide who. Who you pick up the phone for you just talked about being if you're not a, if you're not around iron you're rusting i'm i'm taking it like i'm definitely using it yeah thank, i appreciate that man. i'm definitely going to use that like during one of my presentations if you're not around iron you're rusting but what does your peer group look like are there entrepreneurs are there people from different other walks of life like how do you how do you distinguish again who who is around you in a physical sense now You know what I mean? So you have some people who you might pick up the phone for, but they might be out of town. But when you're in New York City here, how do you decide who you spend that time with?
1: Definitely, while matriculating through my career in free ATM, a good work-life balance is absolutely essential because unless you can go home and de-stress, you'll just burn out while you're at work. And so I make it a, a very important point to make sure that I keep those parts of my lives separate in a way that promotes growth on both sides, right? Mm. Because it's very easy to allow work to bleed into your personal life. And then that'll do wreak havoc on your relationships. So you have to make sure that you do a good job of protecting your personal life from the overages that can occur in your professional life
0: stop give us some tips for those of us who are entrepreneurs who are really going (laughs) in i mean i work probably like at least 90 percent of the time give us some tips in order to be able to to think and be able to to use this balance especially being a successful man you have a successful marriage Mm -hmm. a beautiful wife yeah i love my wife you hope so i hope so because it's a a, a daily grind it's a daily grind on both
1: sides everything Um, is but it, it i i would say that i have a successful marriage um But that is because of my support system, even around that. So when I say support system, I do immediately think of my wife, but it absolutely incorporates her immediate family, which is here in New York, my immediate family, which is around the country, her cousins and and, and loved ones around that. So I'm surrounded by people who love me and who I love. So not everybody is going to have a significant other in the time frame that they want it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to have that immediate confidant that they can go home and bask in in terms of just being loved unconditionally. I was blessed with that during my entire trajectory at free ATM. So I was able to exhibit fortitude during the most difficult of times because I could go and lay my head down at rest at night. If you don't have that, then family is the next best place. You got to place yourselves around people who love you and, and you love in return.
0: Hard day at work with free ATMs, frustrating, things are not going your way. You get home, you're frustrated. Tell us what you and and your wife do, or tell, tell us something that, that goes on, you know, the way that you guys diffuse this and make sure that what happened at work. Like, what do you guys do in order to make sure that that doesn't come and flow over into personal life?
1: Diving back into my relationship coaching days. <laughs> <laughs> so beloved. I, I think that in order to protect your Your intimate relationships at home from any professional overages that may occur. You have to constantly, I actually read it one time in in an article, and the individual writing the article, I got to follow up with you to get you the exact name of the author and the book, but the individual writing the article basically said that in order for any relationship to be successful, then you have to turn in to your loved one when they reach out or ask for attention more times than you than you don't so if someone if if your husband or wife walks up to you or your significant other or the person you're dating is walks up to you and says you won't believe what happened to me just the act of turning around and listening to them in that moment will save your relationship later on and you have to do that more times than not sometimes you're busy your mind isn't there You're just, "Mm mm-hmm, whatever, and you're completely glossed over, not really listening. But those times in the moment when you show that you care what what the other person is talking about, that's how you protect your relationship. So when I get home and I feel like talking about work in a way that's not going to pull down my relationship, then she'll turn into me and listen. It's not about solving the problem. It's just about showing that you have a, a secure and protective ear where you can be vulnerable and open and honest. And when she's ready to talk about work or ready to talk about whatever has gone in her day, I turn into her. And so that's that's how you show someone you value them, that you value what they say. And sometimes people just want to be heard, especially in a, in a long-term relationship. It's really just about listening and being heard.
0: Mm. Okay, so that talking about support system, I have to ask – What were some of the, like, when did you, were there ever any points where you felt like giving up and, you know, on an entrepreneurial journey? Because I I remember... You know, I've known you for some time. I remember you had an apartment down on 52nd and 8th. I mean, this apartment was amazing. 22nd it was floor, man. Yeah, It was, it was awesome. overlooking
1: the Hudson. Man. <laughs> overlooking the Hudson.
0: And I remember you making that sacrifice and moving up to Harlem, you know, and moving into a smaller place in order to pursue these dreams. That was one of the sacrifices that you made. But on this journey of going through, I mean, we talked about, what, uh, four or five companies within a six-year span. You're talking about from 2010, you decided to venture out in 2011 and then from there you wanted to you you're boldly gorgeous then you're your auto bully your it was is it H- HWA HWA design. and and you know sober lovers and now you're free ATM you're the CEO of free ATM a tech startup along that journey were there any times where you felt like you wanted to give up and if so how did you make it past there how did you make it past that point
1: that answer is actually probably extremely core to who I am because For me, a lot of times sacrifice is is easy. Sacrifice is not easy all the time to anybody. It's going to get tough sooner or later. Well, first of all, the way that I get through my ethos is wrapped up in one quote. This too shall pass. Mm. And the reason why it's wrapped up in that is because it's something my mother says all the time. This too shall pass. And it's something I think I intuitively told myself as a child when I was worried about something that had just happened, whether it was an embarrassing moment, I kind of knew to some degree that in a few months, I wouldn't even remember the, the, the severity of the issue. So coming from the idea that no matter what, I can get past it, there's that. And then the second thing was the sacrifice, right? Knowing that you had to put in something to get something out. My father is probably... A strange combination of a disciplinarian and I would call him a radical hippie. Okay, <laughs> I meaning he's Speaking he's, my he's, he's very much he's very much <laughs> up by your own bootstrap, but community based. So before he went into the military, he built himself an underground house, and this house stood the test of time. It's literally at this point 36, 37 years old. Wow. Um, it's completely paid for. Where is it? it? It's in Mississippi, and it runs itself at this point. He's just now installed a 50-panel um, solar carport. Uh, he's got wind turbines up in the back. He's got raised gardens. So he's living the dream in terms on, of living by off the land. And he does it all himself. He designs the plans. He's the major contractor. Now, back when he built the original house yeah. um, in, 19- in the 70s, He did most of the hard work himself in terms of raising the concrete, doing all that type stuff. Right, right. Recently, in around 2012, him and my mother had gone through a a pretty uh, nasty divorce, Mm -hmm. and that obviously left some emotions within me. And for a long time, I hadn't even seen him. It took me about five years between the moments of actually seeing him Mm -hmm. before I saw him again. In 2012, I went down to Mississippi in September, and... It was in between I was on a I was on a road trip for one of the original free ATM projects. We were doing this free Wi Fi gig all around the United States. I there were four that. different cities. We were providing free Wi Fi routers and they had done this great application that when you point your app at this mural on the ground, you know, a three D car popped up, all this, that and the other. And I was coming from my first city, Miami. Um, back to New York, and so I stopped off in Mississippi, and I was just like, "No, I, I, can't, I can no longer look at this as an external problem. I haven't seen my father in five years. That's that's personal. I need to do something about it. Um, I need to step up to the plate and go see him. So I went and saw him, and by the time I got there, he was on the tail end of building his sister a similar underground house on the back corner of his, his 80 acres. Wow. And he, he'd done this one again, almost – Basically by himself, and so at this point he's he's in like his upper fifties, walking around with his shirt unbuttoned, with abs, and you know he's sweating. He's huh, like I've the man's the looking good, head. like he's working hard. Right. You know, obviously <clears throat> the military life did him well, but he's also a vegetarian, has been has, le- has led a very healthy lifestyle for a very long time. Hmm. So there are certain ideals for me of what it means in terms of work ethic and and success that I. Wanted to live up to him. When I saw him after those five years and he had finished his house, there was a, it was like a click for me. It was like, if I want it, I just need to continuously refine the vision and then march towards it. Mm. Because every step will bring me closer. And it's literally a grind. But if you know where you're going, then the small steps are easy. It's just withstanding the time it takes to get there. And so that was a turnaround for me. And ever since, I've been applying that mentality to Free ATM. So I was working for Free ATM part-time when I saw him that, that fall. Right. January the next year, me and my co-founder were sitting in my apartment one day, and we figured out some... I'm going to stop
0: you right there because <laughs> what it sounds like is it sounds like you're about to go in our zone. And our zone, where we had... This is the important part. Okay. You know, this is the everyday renegade zone. Okay. This is where we're going to ask you, what was that defining moment? When did you actually make that transition? What is that pivotal point? Since I know you, I know a little bit, but I want to know just exactly where you were going. Mm Mm-hmm. When did you make that transition after getting this inspiration from your dad, understanding his ideals and embodying those Mm -hmm. and starting to take yourself more serious? When did that and how did that transition over into free ATMs, your work ethic on an everyday basis? I get back
1: from seeing my father and the next maybe the next weekend or so was the next weekend for this four city free free Wi-Fi gig that we had. And New York was the next city. We get to New York, and the entire weekend, it is drenched. It's raining. We're down in South Street Seaport area, and they have to draw a mural on the ground in order for this all to work. But it's raining horribly. They have to pitch the tent. And so it was a good 12-, 16-hour day. And I just remember working, like, nonstop and not even phasing me. Right, It just felt like this needs to be done. What needs to be done? That's not my job. I'm still going to do it. Mm. And that was partially because I'd been so inspired by my father and the work that he had completed. But it was also because I had built this relationship with the creative lead, this individual named Ari. And he just poured into me in terms of good feedback and, and good guidance. And so that probably was the defining moment. Being able to go to Mississippi, get the inspiration, and then come to back to New York, put it into put it into work, and then get feedback on why that work was was the right direction. And so f- from then on, I really d- I'm not a type that necessarily I need my work to manifest in good things. I don't necessarily need someone along the way telling me what a good job it is. And so from then on i always looked to make sure my work manifested in good things and that was the feedback loop that i needed in order to help me keep going now there's always going to be another obstacle in the life cycle of a mm. startup you know whether it was lack of capital whether it was our business model not being right whether it was lack of talent we've run through developers oh I mean,
0: man tell us about <laughs> i'm sorry and this is funny but tell us about hiring hr i know that's something really big <laughs> that you're very very serious about tell us about Your philosophy on doing HR at a startup, you know, because you have so many, you wear so many different hats. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. Interestingly enough, most startups don't really have an HR department. department. Right. You know, HR for them is really just payroll and employee documents. I've learned over the course of my many different companies that HR is one of the most pivotal departments of any company. From the day a new hire sets foot in your office, from the very first day, on the interview, the second interview, and the very first day they start, there's a culture being created. And a good HR department helps to make sure the entire company's culture is professional, works well for that company, and allows the new hire or the individual, the employee, to feel valued and to feel like there's an outlet when they're not feeling valued. So HR is beyond just hiring. It's about making sure that people's rights are protected as well as making sure that there's the right culture for the company. That's what I want to say about HR. But in terms of hiring, <laughs> I've been reading a few books about it and
0: you have a philosophy though. I want to hear that I want you to tell our listeners. Well, this I, I again, I got this <laughs> one from
1: a book, but but the the key to to, H, to hiring, to hiring in general, is to hire slowly and fire quickly. That way you're not wasting your time with individuals who aren't passionate enough, don't have the right skill sets. If you drag your feet with them, you're not going to get your results, and you're just going to waste time on payroll. Now, if you work too quickly to hire somebody, then you'll do the same thing in the opposite. You'll bring somebody on the team who's not going to be passionate, they're not going to be worthwhile, and they're not going to stick to the job that you've laid out for them. Mm -hmm. So especially in a young startup or even any young business, you're going to outgrow yourself very fast. Mm. There's going to be too much to do for you to do it all yourself. So you have to hire someone you can lean on. And hiring someone you can't lean on is worse than not hiring somebody Mm. because you're going to spend more of your time trying to police their inefficiencies and or teaching them the right things and or – paying them and feeling resentful about paying them <laughs> when they're not achieving the goals you set out for them. Right. That is gonna diffuse morale in everything in the company. So
0: Okay. I want to switch modes really quickly and get back to that Renegade zone. What does your daily schedule look like? This is super important to me, something that I'm always preaching about. So or always talking about what are your day what does your daily schedule look like and what are some of your day to day habits?
1: Interestingly enough, recently what are my day to day habits I have to read. And it has to be outside the domain of self-improvement, outside the domain of learning something new about my business, my industry, anything like that. All of that is essential and pretty much required. But reading something for your own amusement, it helps to keep your brain active in a way that doesn't drain you emotionally. One of the things that I notice about reading outside of these domains is it allows me to go back to what I believe is my strength, is to see the patterns in other people's lives, see the patterns in other things and other industries, and apply them to what I'm doing. So right now I'm reading George Washington. It's called Washington, A Life, his biography. And there's so many things, so many trials and tribulations he went through. It helps me apply this to shall pass so much, because I'm not fighting a war. Right, right. (laughs) Even though it feels like (laughs) I'm in a war sometimes, I'm not fighting a war. Mm -hmm. So those are ways that help you stay grounded, because it helps you, allow you to really place the right level of value on important things and not stress out on my new show life. But going back to my day-to-day, first thing in the morning is getting up and accounting for what needs to be done that day. Day-to-day schedule. Your day-to-day schedule. Not even I mean, day-to-day uh, schedule. Your day-to-day, your daily to-dos gotcha. have to be done. Sorry. And I break them up now into three different tasks, given all the things I have to do for the coming. The first is follow-ups. There's always someone that you need to follow up with. Mm -hmm. And most success in business is really about following up. The second thing is just general tasks. Tasks that I have to complete in order to push the business forward. And then the third is dev items for a while um, what is dev I was, items <laughs> i was chief technology officer okay. for a while and so dev-, dev items actually means software development items cool thank and you And so <laughs> i keep all of these things on a rolling tally and make sure that progress is aligned with the milestones that i'm looking to achieve so if there's a project on the dev side that needs to be completed what are the smaller items that need to be done in order to hit that milestone and so that goes along with all the Items that I'm talking about in terms of following up with people, each one of those may be segregated to a business development item. It could be fo- following up with something in terms of sales with a client. It could be following up in terms of vendors and, and figuring out supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. So follow-ups are super important, and but they have to be broken out in terms of their priority and what needs to be done by a certain time.
0: Any... What else uh, during your your day, daily schedule like you you get up you look at those items do you have breakfast first you know about what time are you going to the office like how does this how does this yeah look? Are I mean at, out? At,
1: because of the nature of my job it's very rare time especially during the week when I'm not working so my days are probably sixteen to eighteen hour days that includes um, I do most of my software development at night um, because during the day there's more pressing business issues mm. um, so. When, when everything's working at full scale, we'll get up in the morning and we'll look at any of the QA items that have come back from my offshore team. These guys are telling me these are bugs that need to be fixed. So along with myself as well as some of the other dev individuals on our team, or you have top of the morning, what are the best bug fixes to fix? So you get your software development guys going right off the bat. Your follow-ups, you get out the way in the morning time too, so that way you have all day long for people to actually see that email and reply back to you. And then in terms of you're just working on all your operational issues after that. So this week has been focused on following up with business development contracts that need to be signed off on, following up with merchants who have specific end-of-month relationships you got to follow up on. So the business runs on a month-to-month basis, and you have to iron out your business processes so that you know exactly what gets done by what time during the month and so not every day is going to look the same in terms of what i'm doing but every day is follow up get things done <laughs> eat lunch <laughs> and then I, at if this point now that i'm ceo there's a lot of meetings interjected into there so you have to be flexible in terms of who you need to talk to for 30 minutes to an hour at a time based on the priorities daily activities Having some time for myself to be outside the domain of working, having some time to establish relationship with my, my family or make sure that I'm pursuing that and pouring into that. And then all the work in between i do have late night dev items that i do right uh, and i do have my workout days but
0: so you say you have workout days and you have an actual plan you have an actual 12 to 24 month plan if i'm understanding this right that you're actually working to so every day may look a little bit different of course you always take your time out for yourself time out to uh, nourish your relationship with your wife but there's also that overarching plan so that you know okay this month two weeks in You know, on the 15th, this is supposed to be done. So even though the days may look different, still two weeks in, this is supposed to, you're supposed to accomplish
1: X goal. Is that correct? Right. At this point, we are a venture capital backed company. Mm -hmm. And so we've gone through two rounds of investment. The first was a seed series round of investment, and the second was a series A round of investment. And so being venture capital act company you have to have an idea of where you're going to go from a financial projection stance you have to have an idea of, of what your successful goals look like. 12 24 and 36 months out from now and even further and so we do have goals based on that that are broken down into more attainable milestones that are earlier
0: and speaking of successful goals and being successful right now we're coming uh actually to the end of the show but i mean we're gonna have to have you back on here man you have got too (laughs) many jewels for for us but that that we haven't even uh uncovered yet but i want to ask you so for free atms where are some of the places that That people can go to or what's your website for people to go to in order to, for our listeners to go to, the create your life family to go to in order to find out about free ATMs and where they can go and actually watch an advertisement in exchange for (laughs) not spending their money and giving it away as an ATM
1: fee. Absolutely. Listeners can go to freeatm.com in order to find where our our locations are. We're always looking for new locations and always looking to grow. The next year is going to be phenomenal for Free ATM as we expand all across New York City as well as nationwide. And we're absolutely happy to have your support here at the Create Your Life series. And we've been trying to be a, a moniker of success for you or at least an example. Oh, man, you're not trying. You're definitely doing
0: it. <laughs> and, you know, we appreciate you for actually taking the time to be here. And we applaud you and we're thankful. And also, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is the Create Your Life series and we are here to ma- help you maximize your potential and resources. And in order to stay on air, we are actually uh, still conducting our fundraiser, the Create Your Life series. It's a GoFundMe. Uh, if you go to gofundme.com backslash CYL series uh, and donate today, that would be amazing. And actually, um, I want to thank the people who actually have donated over this last week. As promised, of course, anyone who donates to us, we love to show show the love on the show and to actually uh, give you recognition. So our donators over the last week have been Mr. Michael Andrew from Atlanta, uh, Mrs. Still Lett from uh, Vallejo, California, Mr. Leroy Barr, uh, Yashika Smith, Mr. Carl Bowen, Josh Washington, uh, Chris Bryce Bell, Mr. Shannon Taylor, Uh, Sam and Alexandra Hilliard uh, out of Chicago, Michael Stewart from Atlanta, Cookie Johnson, Uh, Anthony Clay, AC, Uh, Jasmine Goodman, Andrew Johnson, Uh, Justin Chapman, and also Kelly Richardson and Lavelle Patton. We thank you from the bottom of our heart uh, here at the Create Your Life series because we want to take this great episode that we've had here with uh, Mr. Uh, Eric Fondren, CEO of Free ATMs, and we want to make this available for you to come back to whenever you feel like it on our website uh, when we raise the funds in order to build the website and also to have a podcast. And so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we will see you back here next week. Create your life.